Hey everyone, great that you're logged in and listening to or watching this update from our teaching on Sunday. And we are covering chapter three of the book, The Good and Beautiful You. And uh, in this topic, we're thinking about the fact that it is incredibly significant for our souls that we, we know, not just intellectually, but experientially, that we are desired by God, we are wanted by the maker of the heavens and the earth, by the most significant, most powerful, most important being in all of reality, wants you, desires to be in a relationship with you, loves you. So we can have a bit of a think about that, and I hope it's going to be helpful. Um, as I said before, if it's not, it's... Uh, uh, find something else and uh, go listen to someone else for the interim. <laughs> okay. So uh, here is a fundamental truth about human existence. We desire to be desired and we want to be wanted. You and I know this to be true. Anyone who has much experience with children and young people will know that if a child is born and spends their early years in a family where for whatever reason, they are not really wanted, whether that's the parents' addiction, whether it's uh, the parents' ill health, uh, the parents' own brokenness, whatever it might be. If a child in its earliest years doesn't experience being desired and wanted within its family, this does massive damage to the soul of the child, uh, damage that will last for that child's lifetime. Now, it's also true that uh, or that this desire to be wanted, this this desire to be desired, is a fundamental inbuilt need for every human being, and uh, that is incredibly significant. Um, how we make sense of that, the presence of that desire, is and how we get that need met, is of course very significant. There is a false narrative, a false story in our world that is told by our culture. And that story says that you and I are basically accidents. If there is no God, if there is no transcendent creator, if um, we are just uh, living in an empty universe, then we're not wanted. We're not fundamentally desired because we're an accident. Tolstoy writing in somewhere around 1850, uh, put it very well, you are an accidentally united little lump of something. That little lump ferments. The little lump calls that fermenting its life. The lump will disintegrate and there will be an end of the fermenting and of all the questions. Tolstoy's confession. Now that's pretty bleak, um, but that is the logically consistent view uh, of the world in which there is no God, there is no transcendent being who has made us and who loves us and who wants us and who desires us. Uh, and uh, as Dallas Willard wrote uh, maybe 10 years ago, really nobody has, uh, has changed um, this view, this, this analysis of Tolstoy still holds today. Um, and you can see that in the work of someone like Richard Dawkins, who says the universe at the bottom has no design, no purpose, no evil, and no other good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. 
DNA neither knows nor cares. DNA just is. Uh, that's being consistent, right? Uh, with a view that there is no God somehow, and we don't know why. There's a miracle, a mystery at the start of it all, but now it just is, and that's it. Or Marshall Brain, a science writer and atheist, says, your soul is make-believe, just like Santa. When the chemical reactions cease, you die. That's the end of it. Wow, okay, well, that's that's pretty bleak, yeah? That's, that's pretty bleak, but that's consistent with... Um, uh, with a worldview that says there's no God, there's nothing beyond the material. And something for you to think about, does this, does this false narrative sound familiar to you in today's world? Do you recognize it? I mean, I do, because I hear people say this. And what, it, what does it make you think or feel? I mean, you know, obviously for me, the thought that this universe might be empty is a, I mean, that's pretty depressing. Uh, and it makes me think, Geez, I really, 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 really hope that this story about the world is not, in fact, the true one. Because you can't get away from the fact that in everyone's soul there is this longing to be wanted and desired by something or someone that is not just material. It's there in all of us. My common experience is and I've, I've had this even in the last two weeks, talking with very bright, thoughtful people. And the conversation might start something like, oh, oh, you're a Christian. Okay. Oh, you're a pastor. Yeah, well, I'm an atheist. I don't, I don't believe there's a God. And then we chat a bit, and it, it normally takes just a few minutes of questioning and a bit of thoughtfulness. And the person I'm chatting to will go, yeah, you know, uh, actually, I do think there's, there's probably got to be something more. There's got to be something beyond us. I just don't really know what it is. Uh, and then they leave it at that. And they do that because actually it's extremely hard to live consistently with the vision of the empty universe of Tolstoy or Dawkins, that in fact there is nothing else. Because if there is nothing else but the material, if we are just accidents, then we're not really wanted. We're not fundamentally wanted, and our lives therefore have no significance, ultimately, no meaning. We're, we're dust, we come into being, we go out of being, and that's it. And we shouldn't expect to be wanted, we shouldn't want to be wanted, but we do. But we do. It's there in every one of us. Uh, here's a quote from Jim Smith's book uh, that we've been reading, and it's uh, it's beautiful. Surely we are more than a collection of atoms destined to disperse. Something about this creates a sense of dissonance, the longing to believe that we and all of those we love are not mere accidents that live for a time and then cease to be, is something that simply will not go away. Perhaps the narrative that we are desi divinely designed, intently pursued, and lavishly loved, precious beings who are in fact intended, will not go away because it's true. It's true. We are lavishly loved, precious beings who are intended by God. Wow, isn't that wonderful? Um, so the true narrative that Jesus teaches us, the true narrative of the Bible, is that you are wanted by God. Isn't that fantastic? The true narrative, the, the story of the world that Jesus teaches us, is that you are wanted by God. Here again is Jim Smith, the good and beautiful God intentionally created the good and beautiful you 
You are of divine origin. You are planned. You are wanted. You are perfectly, intricately designed by God and loved into existence. God created you in order to be with you because God loves you. God designed you with marvelous capacities to think and feel and create, to love and be loved, and an unquenchable longing for the transcendent, for beauty, goodness, and truth. You were created to connect with God and to glorify God with your one precious life. God designed you to live a life of joy and to enjoy life with God forever. Isn't that something that, even if you're not convinced it is true yet, you wish it were true? I mean, this is great news. This is, this is life-changing. To know that you are wanted, intended, that you have a purpose, that you are loved. One of the deepest wounds in my soul as a, as a young man was that uh, my father left unexpectedly, or at least to me, when I was just under five. He just went off on a business trip and never came back. Well, I came back years later. Uh, and this deep sense that wounded my soul that I had was that dad didn't love me enough to stick around. And, and in one sense, that was true. Dad didn't love me enough. And that wounded me. And the, the healing for me in my soul came from coming to hear the news that, that though my own father, my earthly father, hadn't really wanted me that much, my heavenly father wanted me, desired me, loved me, had made me. And, and knowing that was the source of a, a lifetime of healing and restoration and transformation. I mean, think about how different your life would be if you were never held captive to the need to be wanted and desired and loved because you knew that God loved you. Think, think of how many toxic relationships we stay in because being yeah, receiving some desire, being wanted by someone is better than the fear of having no one want us. Imagine uh, how your relationship with work would change if you realized that that work and your work colleagues and being wanted and needed at work uh, was never going to be enough and was you'd be free not to be a workaholic. You'd be free to keep work in its place. It's good. It's important. But you'd be free to love those maybe in your family who need you to be around rather than always at work because you're a slave to being wanted by those people at work because you know in the core of your being you're wanted and desired and loved by God. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what a wonderful vision of uh, life Jesus puts before us. When I was a teenager and I, I came to hear all this good news, I remember coming across this psalm. And this psalm is, uh, it's just profound. If, if we all read this, memorized this, believed this, and lived this, it would make an unbelievable contribution to our mental and psychological health and well-being. And if everyone in our community, uh, in our city, in our world lived and believed and lived in this reality, um, it would just be transformative of how we treat each other, how we feel about each other. This is what Psalm 139 says. For you created me, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. By the way, 
I'm one of God's works, so I'm wonderful and fearful. I mean, it's amazing stuff, right? My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God, God knows us. We are wanted. We are planned. We are, we're intended. And our lives have a purpose and meaning before we're even born. So we don't have to find meaning. We don't have to find purpose. We don't have to get people to want us. We don't have to make our lives work. We receive it as a gift. We're loved as a gift. We're wanted as a gift. We have a plan and a purpose for our lives given to us as a gift. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to find your significance. Your significance will find you if you're open to it. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, God says. Before you were born, I set you apart. Isn't that wonderful? So, uh, the challenge for you and for me is to actually live into this truth, to experience the fact that we're wanted and desired by God. And, uh, and some soul training for this week is to read Psalm 139 and Ephesians 2 verse 10 and read and read and read these passages each day in a, in a way of reading that's called Lectio Divina. You can Google this for more details or you could read uh, Jim Smith's description of this. It's a slow, meditative reading and rereading, allowing God to speak to you through these texts. Do that every day and see how that starts to shift how you experience yourself. Uh, see how that starts to heal your soul as you realize how very much God wants you, how desired you are, and what a great life-changing gift that is. So God bless. May your soul be full of God and may your life be one of joy and peace this week.